Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Uh, I want to talk to you. I don't want to talk about this. I'm just going to show you 10 things about Star Wars fans or Star Wars fanatics. Yes, Jules, 10 things about Star Wars fans. I ran this list by two Star Wars um, fanatics I know, um, my daughter Kate, who's 10, and then I ran it past the previous generation. There you go, Teagues, you've made it to the older generation, wherever you are, and, uh, and Teagues. And here, it's really important, you know these things, 10 things about Star Wars fans. Number one, um, it's not a fad, it's a lifestyle. Two, we are slightly bitter, but mostly excited that the Star Wars Enterprise has regained popularity. I remember when uh, the second, original second, whatever you want to call it, came out and there were queues down to the street in Sydney. Our childhoods were surrounded by Star Wars. I remember going into the shops and thinking, I wish I could afford a Star Wars figure. You had them. I'm still bitter. We have very strong opinions, which they do. If you know anyone who cares about Star Wars, um, they have very strong opinions. Number five, we have opinions on which order to watch the first six movies in. Are there any Star Wars fans here? Is this true? Like, serious fans. If you don't have an opinion, you're not really a fan. Um, number six, we have strong opinions on the character Jar Jar. I'm not even a fanatic, and I have an opinion on the character Jar Jar Binks, and he really should have been deleted. Whatever your thoughts, they are wrong. Seven, we freak out when any new trailers are released. I know this to be true in my household. Number eight, we get annoyed um, when simple names like Princess Leia I'm just looking at Teague's. Um, get mispronounced. It is Leia, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Um, number nine, we have thought of getting, having gotten a Star Wars theme tattoo. Is this true? Have you thought about that? Yeah, you have. And we wish we could own our own real blasters and lightsabers, and I think that is probably true if you're a fan. People are into all sorts of things, aren't they? Like heart and soul into it. If you go online, you'll find all sorts of um, uh, conversations, groups of Star Wars fans. I mean, they are brutal about characters and movies and actors. And um, I noticed the, 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 one of the characters in the latest um, movie has just been like, seriously had to cancel all of her social media because they were so hostile towards her. People are heart and soul into all sorts of things. Maybe, you know, um, local theatre company, might be a sporting team. It's not, you know, you notice this morning I used Star Wars and not sport. I was going to use a sporting analogy and I thought, no, I always use sport because that's what I really love. And uh, people are in all sorts of things. People are really right into their work. They're right into this. People are all about causes, all sorts of things. And, um, you know, that's just life. And I think God wired us that way. And so, can you think about someone who is heart and soul into something? I mean, really, heart and soul into something. Can you think about someone like that? Can you think how they're a little bit different to you? My son is inherited from me. He has every sort of piece of sporting gear as it relates to the Canterbury Rugby League team. I mean, he has a cupboard full of stuff. Like, we're slightly different to those of you who don't like sport. We are heart and soul. 
And some people are into heart and soul, into all kinds of things. You and I are into all kinds of things. And so heart and soul, though, in some ways, if we get it right, is our edge in life. God created us to be heart and soul people. I don't think he ever created anyone with the idea that we would sort of go through the motions, live a mundane life, sort of turn up and do life. Uh, Lockie Urquhart, who was here, him and Bella, my um, our 15-year-old daughter, that's not a mention, Bell. I don't owe you five bucks for this. She gets $5 if I tell a story about her. But this is not a story about her. This is a story about her name just happens to be in it. In fact, <laughs> so that I don't owe her $5, let's call her Sally. <laughs> so Sally and Lockie, you know, when they lead worship together, they're both young. The last few times I'll go to them and say, you guys can bring more energy than this. I mean, you guys can be more passionate when you lead worship. We're worshipping Jesus. You guys, I'm absolutely sure that there's more in you to bring. And you won't notice it, but I've watched it. And then when we are at Shine, I did it again. I said, yeah, you stepped it up, but you guys can do better than that. You guys can bring more energy. We're worshipping Jesus. You can bring more fire. You can have more enthusiasm than that. Come on, let's just crank it up a few more notches. And if you were there on Friday night, you know that's true, don't you? I mean, they were jumping and screaming and the young guys came out, they were going nuts. Heart and soul, there's something about it. And I think God has wired you, he's wired me to live heart and soul lives. We're meant to live with heart, you know. Heart is the center of our being. Not this, but, you know, I don't know, that unseen bit, unseen piece of us, heart, the inner workings, it's what makes us tick and soul. It's where passion comes from. It's where emotion comes from. It's, it's where endeavor gets stirred, all those kinds of things. And God um, has wired us to live heart and soul lives. And I'm pretty sure you're like me. And even if I'm not in that space, I want to be in that space. I want to be a heart and soul kind of person. Why would I just go through the motions? Why would I turn up and do yesterday? I do today what I did yesterday, sort of do my thing, get through life, tick a few boxes, have a few things on the bucket list, hopefully make it to heaven. That'd be a tragedy. No, he's called us to live heart and soul lives, full of heart, full of soul, all the days of our God-given lives. Jesus said this, Luke chapter 10, verses 26, verse 27, coming on the screen. What is written in the law, he replied, talking about the Old Testament. How do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, sorry, they spoke to him. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It goes on and says, if you get this right, everything sort of flows from there. What I love about this is that Jesus turns up and he, he, he does two things um, simultaneously, sort of strips it all back. He takes the 600 or so laws that previously they, that govern their lives and they build around. He takes those 600, more than 600 laws, he strips it back and he says, hey, it, it, heart and soul, mind and strength, but we're talking heart and soul. He said, just, just strip it back to this. But then in saying that, which looks so stripped back, he actually raises the stakes. Because now we're not here to follow a bunch of laws. We're here to live heart and soul for Jesus. He strips it back and he raises the stakes both at the same time. I love that. Don't you? So when Jesus calls people to himself, he's saying, hey, whatever else you're going to read, I want you to know if you just turn up heart and soul, mind and strength, this will be your edge in life. What I love about Lockie Urquhart is he's already got that edge. You heard it, right? You sensed it in him. There's, there's something about him. He's gone, I'm doing this and I'm doing this heart and soul. He's got an edge already and that edge is a God-given thing. 
that God wants in all of our lives. So let me pray. And as I pray, I want you to know this, because some of you are thinking, Darren's going to call me to be heart and soul about church. That is not what this message is about. If you live heart and soul for Jesus, that'll be a natural overflow. I won't have to convince you of anything. But I want you to know that's what this is, not what this is about. This is about heart and soul lives, that you have been given breath for a reason, that your days have been appointed, that God had a beginning and an end and a journey in mind for you. Some things have happened that weren't in his plan. Some things that happened he wished never happened to us. But he'll use it all to stir our hearts, to stir our mind, to use our lives, to build our future, to make a difference if we'll serve him heart and soul. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. I know your plan's good. Absolutely know your plan is good for each person. I absolutely know that you are good towards us. And so take this message now. Use it to bring honor to you. Use it to work something in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Serve God, love God, heart and soul. So Jesus turns up saying this. He strips it back. He raises the stakes both at the same time. And, and so, so really everything sort of hinges on this. I like it. It's, if for a simple guy like me, I can do this. I can live heart and soul for, for God. The reality is I'm probably going to live heart and soul for something. Uh, the image I was going to show you was of the Green Bay Packers. And, and these guys are an NFL, American football team. And the supporters go and they wear big cheese things on their head. There was actually a chick who got married in this stunning white dress and a cheese on her head. Right? <laughs> And it's funny, if, if I don't live heart and soul for Jesus, I'll probably live heart and soul for something. It's not a matter of if for most people, it's just a matter of who or what. And so he wants us to turn up um, in this space. And so heart and soul, it, it's the center of our being, all that kind of thing. And, and it's something that can be forged. Heart and soul can be forged. Like Lockie's forging it right now, and heart and soul can be lost. It can be forged and it can be lost. And even if we've lost it, we can forge it again. Even if it's gone astray, we can, well, bring it back. So I want to just look for a moment at lost and then spend the rest of our time that we have on forged. So Revelation, did we get this one? Revelation. When I first became a Christian, I only read Revelation in the daytime because I got too scared at night because it talked about the end of the world. Oh my gosh. But here's a great little passage from it. A revealing of Jesus, the Messiah. God gave it to make a plan to his servant um, what is about to happen. He published and delivered it by angel to his servant, John, who was on the Isle of Patmos. And John told everything he saw, God's word, the witness of Jesus Christ. Next verse. Is this the one? I'm not sure we've got the right one. Revealing of Jesus, a witness of Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Verse 2. Verse 2. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Good thing about me telling the story is if I've got it wrong, you don't know. So, he's talking to seven churches. One of these churches is the one we're looking at here. And, and as he talks to them, he says, Hey, listen, you've got a reputation of being full of life, of being on fire. He's talking about as the followers of Jesus. He said, but you're dead on the inside. And he tells him, he says, sort it out. He said, actually, what's happened to you if you've just got lost in this world and its ways? And he says, hey, if you don't sort it out, I'm going to come and sort it out. But my advice is you sort it out because I've still got a future for you. That's the condensed Darren Francis Bennell version of the Bible. And at a glance, it says they, they have a reputation of being on fire. 
And what we discover is actually they've got a reputation that, that used to exist. That's why they've got it. But now it's sort of um, the reputation's intact. We'll say it like this. The reputation's intact, but the, the reality is spiritually they're in tatters. And he says, hey, some things have got to change. And then he talks about it. Here are, here are three things that he sort of talks about, I think, in the context of this. Number one, he says, di- 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 distractions have diluted things. It says, like, d- distractions have diluted their heart and soul following of Jesus. In the book of Mark, the Bible talks about how um, the sower went and sowed seed. And, and the third seed is, it says, and the seed, you know, took root, but the cares, riches, and pleasures of life choked the life out of it, the spiritual life out of it. It was there, it was good, but they were so distracted that something was lost. Um, um, and I think that he's just talking about, and distractions, there's so much going on in life. And if I'm going to live heart and soul for anything, you know, I'm going to have to say no to some distractions, right? doesn't matter what it is. Um, uh, but living heart and soul for Jesus, same thing. There's some distractions that we need to say no to. The second thing here is it says uh, that I notice that it's really apathy starts to kick in. Distractions start to get their attention. Apathy starts to kick in. Apathy is a lack of interest, a lack of passion, a lack of concern. A lack of interest, a lack of passion, and a lack of concern. Uh, I've written here, apathy may well be heart and soul's greatest enemy, I think. And, and I, the reason I started to think about this when we were on holidays, great way to spend your holiday, I started to think about this on holidays is I thought, I never want to be that person. I never want to find myself here where heart and soul is lost. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be... Um, you know, sort of inspiring that kind of living. I don't, I, want to, I don't want to be in that kind of church. I want to be a heart and soul guy. I want to lead a heart and soul church. I want to gather and inspire and help people to live heart and soul for Jesus. And if 10 come with me, great. If hundreds do that, great. I don't really know. But, but what we do know is, you know, we want to live heart and soul. Distractions get in the way. Apathy starts to take hold. And then I written here, um, what, when apathy kicks in, let's determine that it's not the beginning of the end but a catalyst for change. You know, it, it, we all come to this, I think. We all get a lack of interest at some point. We all get a lack of passion. We all get a lack of concern. But when we sense it, when we see that, when people's eternity don't, doesn't matter so much to me, when the Word of God can just run by me, when I can come to a service and be unaffected by, by what's being spoken, that rather than apathy taking hold and taking over, that I determine this is going to be a catalyst for change. Something's going to go on here right now to bring about a catalyst for chains. And then in the end, I wrote, indifference begins to take hold. Indifference says, it's not my problem. It's not worth the effort. Someone else can do it. The risk is too great. And so we don't want to be those kinds of people. I'm sure you don't. We want to be heart and soul people. But those things are coming our way. Distractions, the risk of apathy, the, you know, the, the, the challenge of indifference. And what I love about heart and soul, it's the opposite to all of those things. So forging a life that's lived heart and soul. Forging a life that's lived heart and soul. 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 25. It's coming up on the screen. Neither before nor after Josiah. Josiah stays. Is this who you were named after? He's in Canada. Is he? Good lad. Good lad. I bet he was. If you read this, you'll actually go, man, that is like Josiah stays. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him 
who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. Now, we're not talking about the law of Moses, but we want to catch the spirit of this scripture. And that is that Josiah was like no king in Israel, God's people, before him or after him. And that would be easy to say if Josiah just walked into a perfect scenario, but Josiah walked into a pretty desperate sort of place. We okay, go, oh, it was all good for Josiah. No, Josiah had to be a king who turned things around. And Josiah turns up and it says, no king before him and never again after him. I want to be, don't you want to be that? Not to be the best, not to be the biggest. Just to go, man, I want to be that kind of spirit. That I'm just going to live heart and soul for Jesus. And so it says, Josiah was that kind of guy. Man, there was no one like him in his generation who just lived for God so heart and soul. And I think, you know, we don't want to be competitive and we don't want to draw comparisons, but if you had to do one, that would be a good one. I know I'm in trouble with some of you already for that stuff, but, but, you know, I just want to live heart and soul for Jesus in my lane, doing my thing as I serve him. Uh, so forging a life that's heart and soul, how did he come to it? Listen to these verses, um, two chronicles, same story, different book. This is what it says about Josiah. And Josiah was, it's already large print, should be able to pull that off. And Josiah was eight years old when he he began to reign. Obviously, he had people looking after him. And he was the king uh, for 31 years. Is that behind me? Oh, it's in front of me. And he was the king for 31 years. And I can't read the first line. The eyes of the Lord. Oh, my gosh. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Listen to this next verse. This is a heart and soul guy. Verse number three. In the eighth year of his reign, so he's 16 years old, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of its high places, and it goes on. When he was 16 years old, Josiah gets it in his heart when it seems not very many people are, that he's just going to seek God. He's got no other plan. The Bible isn't in everyone's home. It's not even in the king's palace at this stage. And Josiah determines, well, I'm going to seek God. That's how I'm going to position my life. And he, he starts to go heart and soul after God. Whatever anyone else is doing, Josiah is going to be in it heart and soul. He began to seek God, to pray and to seek, to know him, to know his ways, to know his will to know his presence. Oh, there's something about knowing him. There's something about knowing his ways. There's something about knowing his will. There's something about knowing his presence. Josiah has found in his own life the words of the psalm writer to be true, you know, and talking about how he's just living for God, heart and soul. And he talks about how he loves to be in the presence of God, how I love to dwell in your presence and to seek your face. Um, James chapter four, verses seven and eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I mean, he's right there. He's as close to me as my next breath. He's as close to you as your next breath. He's right here in the midst. And Josiah just decides that his direction from now on is going to be towards God. This is it. I'm going to seek you, God. That's what I'm going to do with my life. First and foremost, I'm going to seek you. It's a place where heart and soul is forged. Hello. It's a place from where heart and soul flows. And in, in many ways, it's about making room. Think about Jesus. Jesus, it says of him, it says this, Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to him, and he healed them of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was someone who drew away to seek God. 
if you think about it, think about it like this across the New Testament, those of us who know our Bibles, Jesus, right at the start of his ministry, his first thing is to get away and to seek God this way. And then if we go to the beginning of the church, what happens? They are gathered seeking God when the day of Pentecost comes and the church is truly born. Move forward to Acts chapter whatever it is and Peter is up on the roof and he has a vision. He's up there praying, just a normal day, seeking God, up there in his lunch break from his work. And he's up there praying. And in the midst of his praying, he gets a revelation from heaven that has changed the world, even to us, where we sit right in this moment, on this very day, finds its essence, finds its, sorry, its beginning in that moment where Peter was on a roof. Acts chapter 13, when for the first time the Jews actually take the, the gospel in a really powerful, fast-spreading way to the rest of the world, Paul is in a prayer meeting seeking God and he gets the word, you're to go to the rest of the people, you're to go to the rest of the nations. All these moments, just regular days, men and women seeking God and God turns up in the midst of it. Josiah started to seek God. He did it heart and soul, but then there's something that goes on that works over us heart and soul, just making room for that in our life. In the humility and hunger of seeking him, God meets us there. But when you pray, the Bible says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Listen to this. Then your Father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. I mean, sometimes he'll just turn... Up, you'll sense his presence in the moment, but whatever the case is, there's a flow-on effect from just seeking God. That's the first thought, heart and soul. When that's at the center, my experience is it starts to flow, it starts to happen. And whenever, in my life at least, I just talk for me, whenever that's dropped off, it starts to shift away. Seeking God, heart and soul. The second thing we see here is in the same verses because he starts to pull down the high places. This is lost on us in our modern age. We're not going to go into it today. But he just starts to get some things going on in his heart. I've written it this way. Josiah stirs his heart and soul with noble themes. Verse 8. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, um, the governor of the city, and... Joah, the son of Joah, Old Testament names are tricky, aren't they? Joah has the recorder to repair the house of the Lord his God. He does two things. He's stripped everything back. He's got rid of the stuff and now he's setting up the future. He just gets these noble themes on the inside of him. Seeking God, still hasn't read the scriptures as they uh, were known. It's about to happen. Um, but he's seeking God and themes start to stir on the inside of him, but then he starts to stir those themes. So it's a bit like this message. Hopefully, for some of you, maybe all of you, it starts to stir something, hopefully, if I'm not on um, smart chat, uh, not smart chat, whatever it's called, Instagram, if I'm not on Facebook, if I'm not on other social media that people in their 40s don't remember the name of, if I'm not on any of those things right now, Hopefully something's stirring on the inside of you, but the key is to do what Josiah did with it. He took what stirred on the inside of him and then began to stir it as a theme in his life. So, you know, take heart and soul. You could leave here unchanged, nice message, good morning in church, go away, turn on the TV, watch the football. Why would you? Who cares who wins this year? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Who was that? They are banned from church for the next month. Who was that? It was someone young. That's what happens when you stir your soul with the wrong themes. See, that's what <laughs> unfolds. They, um, 
And, but Josiah starts to stir it. So something happens, like a message. And then we have to take it and allow God to stir that, stir it up ourselves. Uh, you know, you read these passages and you go, Josiah started to seek God. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read that passage for the next few weeks. I'm just going to sit in this place. I'm going to keep reading this passage. I'm going to let this get on the inside of me. God, here I come. I'm living for you, heart and soul. It doesn't matter what's been in the past. It doesn't even matter where I'm up to today. But I know what's in my future, Lord. I know. And here I come. I'm going to stir this theme, heart and soul. When a theme gets on the inside of me, I'm going to stir it. You know, when, when Lockie Urquhart listens to the wise voice that says, bring more energy. Lockie Urquhart, bring more passion. Lockie Urquhart, you could actually lead the next generation so that as I get older, I don't even want to be in the service with you because it's too much energy and too much passion. Imagine Lockie, imagine Lockie got that on the inside of his heart. Imagine someone tried to stir that up in Lockie. Imagine Lockie then started to stir that up in him. Imagine Lockie Urquhart leading thousands of people into the worship of King Jesus. Can you imagine that? And so as Lockie stirs that, instead of me trying to stir it in him subtly like that, Instead of that, when that starts to happen, now something starts to change, doesn't it? Because instead of the stirring coming from externally, the stirring's now coming internally. God turns up in that. God starts to work on that and something begins to shift. Something begins to change. Something begins to happen. And then the third thought here as I wrap this up today, number three, make a high stakes move. Number three, make a high stakes move. If you read on in this passage, what you'll discover is that they rediscover the, um, the first five books, I think it is, of the, the Bible. They've been missing for a while. They rediscover them in the temple. And when Josiah gets news of it, he has all the people gather and he has the scriptures read. And then he stands before God and he says, God, I make a vow. Your word is my word. And then he says to the people, you decide whether his word is going to be your word. And as he starts to take the word deep in his life and as the people start to take the word deep in theirs, something begins to go on in their hearts. And the word of God now becomes the thing that's making the shift. Josiah took a heart and soul approach to God's word. It's a high stakes move. It, it is full of risk. It will change your life. It will confront us. It will challenge us. But you always win. We always win when we make that choice. And I want to encourage you, just over the next 30 days even, just start with a book like Ephesians. You can look it up in the index if you're not sure. Just start with a book like that, which is full of good instruction. Really positive book of the Bible. Maybe the most positive book in the Bible, I think. And just start and go, you know what? I'm just going to take a, make a high-risk move. Every time I read something that's meant to apply to me, I'm going to adopt it every time. Six chapters, I'm going to adopt it. High-risk move. You watch it show up in our lives. It'll show up a high-risk move in our lives. You know, some of us, you, 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 that, this will be a discovery. You know, if you're like Locke, you're sorting it out and going, well, I'm going to make a high-risk move. This is the first time. But some of us, we've been around a little while and we stopped making high-risk moves around the Scriptures because we've got a fair bit of it covered. But I want to encourage you today, what's the next high-risk move for you? Because, you know, if you go to the end of Josiah's life, there's only one bad bit. At the end of his life, he stops listening. He's a heart and soul guy in his generation. He's the heart and soul king of the generations. But right near the end, right near the end, Josiah makes a move where he departs heart and soul from God. And it will cost him dearly. 
I mean, he's going to heaven. He knows the Lord is his saviour. But he just allowed it to shift. You know, for us, some of us have been around a while. Let's just open ourselves up again to a high-risk move as we read the Scriptures and go, that's me. I'm going to raise the stakes. Some of us to discover, some of us to new, and some of us, all of us to act out of it. 30 days, book of Ephesians. Just take it, get it into our spirit, let it work in our lives and watch what God does. You know, the best days of your life, the best days of my life, the best days for our church and what God wants to do could well be, should be, I think are right in front of us. And so hear what I think is the word of the Lord this morning. And let's determine, you know, let's never be a shell of our former selves. I never want to be a shell of my former self. I never want to be the guy who's got the reputation but going through the motions. Let's never live there. Let's be heart and soul. Passion, energy, sacrifice. You know, I think of Nathan who's doing the tech. That guy's had the massive weekends. He took two weeks off, two weeks, two days off work to um, just make Shine Conference happen. All those women. And, you know, we talk about lives being changed. Man, I was watching it unfold before my very eyes watching women, just their hearts being shifted, their lives being changed. He did that. Heart and soul guy. That's who gets it done. Heart and soul people. Let's be those kinds of people. Let's make that determination. Why don't you stand with me now? I'm going to pray and we're going to wrap. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. I'd imagine if you're in this room today, unless you got dragged here kicking and screaming, I'd imagine that people's determination, even if they're not there, is to live heart and soul for you, Lord. So help us with that. Go to work on us in that. We know it's the greatest way to live. And I pray for people today that heart and soul find purpose in you, that you'd stir something up in us like you did in Josiah, cause and purpose. Oh God, as people seek you first, may there be a sense of your presence. May there be a a Lord, a hearing of your whispers. May there be a stirring of your spirit that grips us in a way that would cause us to go heart and soul with you, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.